Ahoy, Shock Fantasy fans. This is Matt Harrison, and before the show begins, I have three jobs for you. First, please take a look at your phone and hit the subscribe button on the Shock Fantasy podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Second, wherever you're listening, give me a rating and a review for the show. If you include your Twitter handle in the review, we might send you something fun in the mail. We do that periodically. And third, if you haven't yet subscribed to the season pass of Shock Fantasy, you should. You get 365 days of the Shock Fantasy Super Dash, which gives you stats and info to set all of your weekly lineups, including DFS lineups. The Redraft and Dynasty trade value charts, so you never get taken to the cleaners in a trade. Our waiver wire content each week. The Super Bowl, Thanksgiving, and NFL Draft prop bet games so you can make friendly wagers with your family and friends at the most important football gatherings and preseason cheat sheets for basically every kind of fantasy football imaginable. You'd be getting those for next year. Now all of that curated color coded data comes to you for only $40 for a full year. That's 76.9 cents per week. But if you act now and use the promo code AirBear. You get the whole year for only 25 bucks. That's promo code AIRBEAR, A-I-R-B-E-A-R, for those of you who are brave spellers. Enter that at checkout and we'll knock off $15. Thanks for listening. On to the show. Now, first off, how would we describe shock? <laughs> Welcome to the fantasy. <laughs> nice. Nice. Man, you are one pathetic loser. Ridiculous. Completely ridiculous. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Shock Fantasy Podcast. It is September 21st, Tuesday. It is time for the Week 3 Waiver Wire Podcast. I am your host, Matt Harrison, at Explosive Output on Twitter and at Shock Fantasy on Twitter. Reminder to all of you, Rate and review this podcast five stars on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, Got it all up on Stitcher. Now, for those of you who are looking for it on Stitcher, it's good to go there as well. Also, rate and review Fantasy Football Weekly, available on your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, This week, Matt Harrison, that's me. I get the week off of Fantasy Football Weekly, so it'll be Paul Charchian, Scott Fish, and Brian Johnson this week. We're going to start with the Todd Heap Memorial Injury Report. And that starts with Tua, who's got some bruised ribs. He's likely back this week if he can tolerate the pain. But uh, he hasn't played all that well so far this season anyway. Not a lot of people starting him. Carson Wentz sprained both ankles. And the play where it happened looked absolutely awful. He got... (laughs) Landed on one, flipped over, and landed on the other. I bet he gets at least this week off, so we're going to talk about his replacement in just a minute. Andy Dalton has a knee injury on a non-contact play, which they're calling a bone bruise, which I don't know how you get a bone bruise on a non-contact play. Uh, Online Dr. David Chow says that Justin Fields will get more than one start at quarterback for the Bears. Tyrod Taylor has a hamstring injury. He will not be available for the Thursday night game against Carolina. Davis Mills will be in there. We'll talk about him in a minute. Daryl Henderson 
He suffered a rib cartilage injury. They're hoping he's ready for Sunday against the Bucks. I don't know. Elijah Mitchell, and here's the here's the San Francisco update. Elijah Mitchell, shoulder injury that they're calling a stinger. He looks like he's in the best position to go this week. Joe Michael Hasty had an ankle injury. He likely misses this week and maybe a couple more. Trey Sermon had a concussion. He's now in the concussion protocol. If he clears, he'll be eligible to play too. Jarvis Landry had got a knee injury on Sunday. He has been placed on IR. We won't see him for a long period of time. Deontay Johnson, he got hurt on the last play of the game. They're thinking it's an MCL sprain. I also heard that people thought he might have faked the injury to try to stop the clock. Uh, They said he probably, well, not probably. I shouldn't say probably. He could be available this week or maybe not, depending on how coy they're playing this injury here. LaVisca Chenault hurt his shoulder, uh, avoided serious damage, and might end up playing this week. And then finally, Paris Campbell is hurt again. Guys who aren't on your fantasy radar that uh, had some injuries that might affect some games. Giants center Nate Gates fractured his leg so badly they wouldn't show it on a replay. Uh, He'll be out for the year. Uh, Not good news for Daniel Jones. Not good news for Saquon Barkley. Uh, Titans lineman Taylor Lewin suffered a knee injury while warming up for Seattle. Did not play in that game. He, while warming up for the Seattle game, I should say. He did not play. Uh, Lewin uh, injured this knee before, and he's still trying to get fully 100%. Uh, the setback is very concerning. But uh, Derrick Henry seemed to look pretty good even without him. All right, let's move on to the guys that you're going to pick up on the waiver wire this week, or maybe not. These are probably the most sexy names on the waiver wire this week, but not all of them deserve your attention. Let's start with the quarterback. Justin Fields is 51% rostered. Uh, I think I had him on this list last week. He looked shaky at best in relief of Dalton against the Bengals last week. That's not good. Uh, The bad was the passing. Uh, six for 13 for 60 yards, no scores, one interception. The good was he led the Bears to a win, had 10 rushes for 31 yards. Uh, the problem is his offensive line is not great, and that's being kind. Uh, he will be running for his life. He will be throwing on the run for both, if not more, of his starts. And this week he gets Cleveland, who's got a really good front four. Uh, that probably won't net him a starting grade this week, but he will get Detroit in week four, and it should be all systems go. You might be firing him up as a B grade on Fantasy Football Weekly in that Detroit game in week four. So I'd throw down 16% on fields. I think that he's going to have a really good season. I'm just a little nervous about his week three start against Cleveland. The rest of the quarterbacks I'm going to mention are not rostered anywhere. Uh, We're going to start with Davis Mills, who gets the start on Thursday against the Panthers. He filled in not really admirably for the Texans last Sunday against the Browns. Went 8 for 18 for 102 yards, a pick, and a score. The only way you're picking up Mills is if you're in like a two-quarterback or super flex dynasty league and you think he could hold this job down in the future. In that case, you'll probably need 14% to get him, but nobody else should make a bid on Davis Mills. Nobody should make a bid on Jacob Eason either. He looked bad in relief of Carson Wentz. The matchup with the Titans is very good, but there's better quarterbacks on on the wire in your league. And 
Eason looked just absolutely terrible. <laughs> I imagine that the Titans just stacked the box to stop Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, and they say, go ahead, Jacob Eason, beat us. Uh, former Colt, Jacoby Brissett, who's now in Miami, uh, he might be a guy that you're considering with the injury to Tua. He looked better than Eason did, but he's still just Jacoby Brissett, and Tua might play this week, so Brissett's simply a handcuff if you're completely reliant on a Miami quarterback to start for you against the Raiders this week on the road in Vegas in his later game. So if you're planning on starting Tua, it might be a good idea to just throw Brissett on your bench just in case Tua can't go. Let's move on to the running back. All right. Uh, Tony Pollard is only owned in 54% of leagues. We talked about him a little bit last week. This dude could feasibly end the season with better numbers than Ezekiel Elliott, although it's not probable. It's definitely possible. They almost split touches last week with Pollard as the better back in yards per carry by a pretty pretty substantial margin. In fact, Pollard's been the better fantasy back in each of the first two weeks. A matchup against Philly is a starting grade for Pollard this week. It should be on Fantasy Football Weekly. And I think there's more to come in the near future, too, as far as starting grades go. Zeke is not a bell cow anymore. And I think a 17% blind bid on Pollard is what it'll take, if not a little bit more, to get him on your roster. J.D. McKissick is 29% owned. Unfortunately for Antonio Gibson's managers, McKissick is not going away. He's awesome in PPR leagues, especially with Taylor Heineke under center. Five catches for 83 yards through the air last week uh, on Thursday night. A rushing score from the infrared zone happened in that game, too, for McKissick. He has the trust of the coaching staff to be the guy when Gibson isn't looking fully dynamic. He's worth a 6% blind bid. Uh, Bump it down a bit in non-PPR leagues, but I think 6% will probably get you McKissick on your roster. Uh, Michael Carter of the Jets is 50% owned right now. Uh, Ordinarily, no, not ordinarily, no. What, what, what am I saying? Jeez, I can't even read my own writing. Tevin Coleman led the team in rushing attempts in week one, uh, nine to four to four over Michael Carter and Ty Johnson. Last week, Coleman found the bench a lot more with Carter getting 13 touches and Johnson getting 12. The takeover is happening in New York, and it might be the last chance to nab a guy who should get a two-thirds workload as the season wears on in that backfield. They get Denver this is week, which is tough, but Tennessee and Atlanta in the following two weeks might net him a few startable grades if he gets the week three workload. So I'd go 13% on Michael Carter this week. It might cost you less because he didn't have huge stats. Somebody who did have huge stats was Cordero Patterson, who's 16% rostered. We told you to grab him last week before his 12 touches, 69 nice. total yards. Nice. And both a rushing and receiving touchdown. Atlanta's backfield is wide open. Mike Davis had 16 touches last week, and the rushing attempt split was 9-7 to seven in favor of Davis, and that's not a wide delta. The Falcons take on the Giants this week, who just sauced up a nice little game to pass catching back J.D. McKissick, who we just talked about. 3% bid on Cordero Patterson. Might cost you a little bit more because he did have a few scores. Sony Michelle is 60% owned. I'm only mentioning him because if Henderson's rib injury keeps him out this week, you might be tempted to pick him up in leagues where he's available and maybe even start him, but he's playing Tampa Bay. 
And to that, I say nine. That's German for no. According to FF today, the Bucks have only allowed 148 total yards to opposing backs in two games. I think they have Cordero Patterson listed as a wide receiver uh, on FF today, but uh, still, I don't think that I want to put Sony Michelle in my lineup. 1% blind bid if you want to pick him up, but don't play him this week. Let's go on to the wide receiver. Uh, Rondale Moore is probably going to be the hottest pickup this week of all the players. A combo of low roster percentage of 35%, a big play that received a ton of replays on the major networks, and Kyler looking like a stud that could maybe support five different receivers. That's if you include Max Williams. Uh, That's got people salivating. I get nervous, though, because of the five different receivers thing and the fact that he's like 5'7 and 180 pounds. The cards simply won't have all of them go off in every week like they did against the Vikings last week with A.J. Green and Hopkins locked in on the outsides, Kirk and Moore fighting for snaps on the rest of the field. I'm nervous that he's a passing down only contributor. I'm nervous that he's still fourth on that totem pole. If you're tantalized regardless, I think it will likely cost you 23% to get him. I'm making lower bids on Rondale Moore myself. Sterling Shepard. Yeah. Inconceivable! Inconceivable that he would have another huge volume game? Ah, maybe. I am the smartest man alive! Ah, we told you to grab him last week. His roster percentage only went up from 39% to 57% on Yahoo Leagues. After a second great volume day in a row, this is your last chance, especially with the Falcons coming to town. Probably will cost you 12% now, but you can pick him up and you can lock him in your starting lineup for this week. Darnell Mooney, 45% rostered. Not sure why his roster percentage is this low, but Field seems to really like him. At least he did throughout the preseason and training camp. With Allen Robinson drawing double coverage, Mooney has the chance to be the big play guy. Had eight targets last week, too. That's pretty good. I'd throw 5% on Darnell Mooney. KJ Osborne of the Vikings is only 3% rostered. He's now been a big part of the Vikings offense for two straight weeks. Entering his sophomore year, I think we all thought D.D. Westbrook or maybe B.C. Johnson might take the wide receiver three duties, but Osborne has it locked down, it seems. Had a huge touchdown and blown coverage on the second play of the game and mismatches caused by having Thielen and Jefferson on the field and, frankly, a lack of Irv Smith, too, should allow him to be relatively open for a lot of the season. Throw three to four bucks on Osborne. He's startable in spots coming up for the Vikings. Zach Pascal is the last wide receiver I want to mention. Uh, He's 16% rostered with Paris Campbell Campbell dinged up again. Zach Pascal has taken over the slot in Indy. He trails Michael Pittman and targets 16 to 11 and catches 11 to 9. But Zach Pascal has three receiving touchdowns, and that's leading the team. Uh, He's not going to average one and a half receiving touchdowns per game but he probably does belong on rosters. It's probably only going to cost you a 2% blind bid to get him. And then we're going to move on to his teammate who's under the tight end. Yeah, he's in the tight end position. That's Jack Doyle. I don't really like this play, but you could do worse than a guy with eight targets. He, he had eight targets last week. With Wentz either severely lacking mobility due to two bum ankles or backup Jace, Jacob Eason under center. Doyle should see that target load stay consistent for a few weeks as the average depth of target probably goes down for the Colts. You only need to get a buck on Doyle to get Jack Doyle on your team, but he might be worth it if you 
are really scrambling for a tight end. Finally, the last tight end we're going to talk about is Max Williams. Max with two X's. Uh, he's not owned at all in leagues. Had a huge game against his hometown favorites growing up, the Vikings. Had seven targets, seven catches, 94 yards. Catching all seven of your targets is a great way to garner faith from your quarterback. He is tight end one in Arizona, and maybe this is something. He's a former second-day pick. Uh, I think most people will sweep this away as a one-off game where he did really well, but you could do worse with the last roster spot on your bench than Max Williams and see maybe this just pans out. Maybe the Cardinals are just a team that throws and scores 30 points a game every game. If that's the case, Max Williams is probably a guy that belongs on a lot of fantasy rosters. You can throw two bucks on him this week, and I think you'll get him. That's it. That's the whole waiver wire episode. Again, you can find uh, all sorts of information on Shock Fantasy, including this week's Super Dash, which will be out uh, probably Wednesday night, uh, as well as the uh, the next podcast episode, which will be the Thursday night matchup between the Carolina Panthers and the Houston Texans. Again, Matt Harrison at Explosive Output on Twitter at Shock Fantasy on Twitter. Uh, please tell your friends about this podcast if you you know need a need a quick hard-hitting waiver wire episode, and you need to know about the Thursday night matchups, Fantasy Football Weekly style. We've got your back here at the Shock Fantasy Podcast. Have a great day. Talk to you later.